Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today I have with me John Kastner. John is the CEO and president of Isometrics. John, first of all, thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. Absolutely, Tom. Thanks for having me here. Certainly really looking forward to our uh, our time together. Could you tell us a little bit about your professional background? Yeah, sure. So I suppose I have a bit of a strange background for somebody who's now the president and CEO of a, of a software company. I started my career as a teacher and a coach. And I guess I had what I'll call a sliding doors moment. I don't know if you ever saw that movie Sliding Doors with Gwyneth Paltrow, but the premise of the movie was she opened the door when she came home and walked through it, or she didn't walk through it. And so the movie went in two different directions. In one direction, she walked through the door, and in another direction, she didn't walk through the door. And so that sort of sliding door moment in my life was that I was presented with an opportunity from an Australian software company who was trying to get into business in the US. I had an opportunity to be the guy who took them there, which is sort of strange. That was another sliding door moment, how that whole thing came about to begin with. But I did take that opportunity and I grew that business into quite successful business here. And that that business eventually got sold. Shortly thereafter, I left and then had another opportunity to do the same thing, basically, this time with a South African software company, that company being Isometrics. So here I am today. Well, that actually brings up two of the most important things I've learned or two of the most significant things I've learned. Number one is to be aware and present that when that opportunity presents itself, to have the courage to walk through it. And that happened to me because I got taken out by a Hummer on a bicycle while I was riding a bicycle. So that was one for me. But the other thing is, I've also come to understand that when preparation meets opportunity, luck occurs. And uh, it sounded like that preparation and opportunity occurred for you a couple of times. So I was wondering if, with that, you could tell us a little bit about Isometrics, what the company does and your role with it. Yeah, fantastic, Tom. So I guess we call the business of Isometrics, we call that good business. You know, like Nike has its tagline, just do it. Our tagline is is good business. And what that means to us is that via our technology and our software solutions we provide. So at the end of the day, Isometrics is a risk and compliance management software. But via that software, we focus on three things, change for good, partnerships that empower and the possibility of a better world, which actually, if you break that down, happens to be a very direct parallel to the concept of sustainability, as most people know it. So really, via our integrated risk and compliance solution, we help companies manage risk and manage compliance and do so really in a form of sustainability and and being a sustainable business. John, many of the listeners to this podcast are compliance professionals. And of course, we have the gamut of compliance professionals. We have newbies. We have less sophisticated compliance professionals. And one of the ongoing 
dialogues in the compliance community is moving beyond simply compliance, simply a paper program to true risk management. And I know that's one of the things that you're very passionate about. Could you maybe explain what you see as the difference between true risk management and simply compliance? Yeah, sure. I mean, I guess first off, don't get me wrong. I think compliance is important. You know, if I boil it down to simply compliance, I mean, compliance is the law. And I suppose without law, there's there's potentially anarchy. But we operate in the risk and compliance space. And actually, through one lens, people will look at compliance or perhaps non-compliance as a source of risk. Um, bottom line is, I think both are important. But, you know, to me, moving beyond compliance to risk management, I think the reason you do that is because when you do that, you actually get at the heart of people. And what I mean by that is, at least in my life experience, most people, not all people, but most people don't make decisions based on compliance. Most people make risk-based decisions. As an example, think about driving. Most people do not drive the speed limit. We all know the speed limit. But if you're on the highway, how many people are actually driving the speed limit? It says it's 55 miles an hour. Generally, traffic moves between 60 and 80 miles per hour on the highway. And in fact, if you look at the people who do actually drive the speed limit and you give them sort of that angry look when you drive by them, they don't even notice you. They are so laser focused on what is right in front of them, completely unaware of their surroundings. So from a compliance perspective, sure, they're following the rules. From a risk perspective, they have no idea what's going on around them. And in fact, they're probably actually creating risk for the others that are around them or creating risky behaviors for those that are around them. So I think when you look at risk versus compliance, one of the main things you want to do there is dig into how people make decisions. And to me, that's an aspect of that. I've got a few other examples. I don't know if you want to ask me a question based on what I just said, or if you want me to throw a few more scenarios. No, throw, uh, throw a few more examples out there. Okay, sure. So, well, let's take a look at a very topical example today, like COVID-19. And this is probably up for debate, but if you really asked your questions around compliance around COVID, you could get in quite a debate again, but you know, would compliance actually stop the spread? Would compliance have prevented it from getting here in the first place? And perhaps more importantly, particularly kind of where we're at today in the whole COVID-19 debate, if you want to call it that, is do people make decisions on how they live in the time of COVID based on compliance or based on risk? In my experience, again, it's based on risk. And I think more specifically, based on their own personal risk assessment of the situation. Do I wear a mask? Do I not wear a mask? Do I go to the office? Do I not go to the office? Etc. Etc. So I think that's just another angle around sort of beyond compliance is that, again, people don't necessarily base their decisions based on what the rules or recommendations are. They're based upon their risk appetite around what those rules are or the situations. I talked about risk and compliance. We very much operate in the environmental health and safety space, which has been very interesting for us. 
health and safety in the forefront. You walk into any store, it talks about health and safety and safety protocols. It's been very interesting. But if you look at this concept that we often engage with customers around this concept of safety culture, you know, a lot of times that safety culture boils down to things like policies and procedures. Did an employee follow the policy? Did they follow the procedure? Do we need more policies and procedures? And honestly, what are those things, policies and procedures? They're forms of compliance, either with either external or internal rules and regulations. And again, while, while I think it's important, if you look at the safest companies and those with the best safety records, their safety culture is one that asks people to think about what they're doing and think about the risks associated to those things. So in my opinion, what, what I think risk management does versus compliance is it forces another level of thinking, of assessing, and then acting accordingly. Yeah, I guess one more analogy. I'm a parent myself, personally, a parent of three young kids. And I think about how I parent. I think about how other people parent. I think about how my parents parented. And one thing I, I believe, at least, is that when you, when you raise kids to be compliant rule followers, oftentimes the result is that when they become teenagers or young adults or even adults, they sort of fly off the handle, right? They start breaking the rules. They start taking really, making really risky decisions and, and living risk, uh, of sort of a risk-based lifestyle. They sort of let loose. So I think if you kind of apply that model again and you focus on people, putting that risk-based, decision-based thinking makes people have some ownership and be a bit more accountable for what they do and how they make decisions. John, in researching you and the company for this podcast, I came across the phrase that Asymmetrics considers itself a disruptive technology in integrated risk management. And I've sure. not seen that phrase in the risk management context. So I was wondering if you might be able to explain that. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, I think the way that we like to really think about it, and well, first of all, what is disruptive, right? Something to me that's disruptive is something that forces companies to sort of change the norm, as an example. And the reason we consider ourselves a disruptive technology is we look at sort of the norms of the way most businesses operate. And most businesses operate in a pretty siloed fashion. Again, in our world, they've got an environmental department and a health department and a safety department, and then maybe a social sustainability or a community management or a public relations department, maybe a quality department. And those departments tend to operate in a siloed manner. But why we believe we're disruptive is actually, if you think about it, and one of our customers is the one who said this best. So a lot of our customers are actually in the natural resources industry. And the way that this customer phrased it, they said, look, we are a land-based business. There is no separation between environmental, health, safety, or social. An issue in one of those areas has an impact on another area. And so because that is the mindset of many of our customers, but not necessarily the mindset of all customers and all businesses across the globe, 
what we've done is we've been able to basically architect our software solutions to break down those silos to begin with so that you can connect the dots between each of those items and understand that what you do in one area will certainly have an impact on another. And one of the ways we do this is we do this by something that we call call our golden threads. So what a golden thread is, is, you know, if you think about software, software is typically just a means of capturing data. So what a golden thread is, is it's just a data point. It's a key data point that you would capture in the software that regardless of what you do, regardless of what business unit you're in or department or country, that single piece of data runs across isometrics. And so you can look at how all of the information relates to that one single piece of data. Just as an example of that, what would that mean? Let's say you're a utility organization. Let's say you're a water utility. Address would be a golden thread, right? And let's think about that. If, if somebody comes to your house, right, they read your water meter at your address. You know, you get charged electricity. So if you were to capture all these different risk and compliance metrics around an address, then you can go look up any address and you can see all of the information about that one address, regardless of where it came from. And that is really, in a sense, one of the key areas around why we feel we're disruptive. And I think that's even more impactful, again, in the way that the world works today, because you do need to understand the interconnectedness of your business. And the way that companies are attempting to do that today is with technology. I think the other reason why we consider ourselves disruptive is that actually, if you look at the way the world works today, it requires transparency in all aspects of your business. You know, social media has more or less <laughs> created that, right? We live in a social media-driven world. There's access to information, and it's forcing companies to change the way that they do business. And what's coming to the fore now is this new framework for accountability and transparency. Transparency, and that's that concept known as ESG, or environmental, social, and governance. And the thing is that the parameters that make up those three pillars are what companies in the natural resources industry have had to manage for years. And I'm just going to point out one example. If you look at most mining companies, they look at something called a social license to operate. This isn't a license like a driver's license or a permit. It is the license that society gives you to actually run your business. And all those companies list the social license to operate as one of their top risks. It's not a compliance thing. It's a risk management thing. And the reason they do that is because, again, they know that in order for them to run their business, they're going to have to really have a focus on what they call either social sustainability or social performance management. And while our core customers have always done that, that same landscape is now becoming true of more or less every business. And so this concept of the social capital 
as a major influencer in terms of sustainability and risk management is something that we have always done and something that we're very well versed in that is now sort of the norm. I suppose the last thing I'll say then, and this is maybe just more about Isometrics itself as a company, why I think we're disruptive. We actually aren't afraid of change and we're not afraid of a challenge. When you've started a business, a software business, a technology business in South Africa, there's a myriad of challenges that you have to face and you have to be resilient and you truly do need to bring something to the world that is better than maybe what else is, is out there. And I think time and time again, Isometrics has taken calculated risks to enhance our software, sort of reinvent ourselves and, and bring new solutions to market. Now, let me change the focus just a little bit and ask you, I used to ask people, we're recording this in mid-August, and I used to ask people earlier in the pandemic, how do you see certain things playing out in Q3 and Q4? But I've decided that's far <laughs> too conservative. And uh, But I wanted to ask you, how do you see COVID, coronavirus health crisis, really impacting sustainability into 2021 and perhaps even beyond? Yeah. Well, look, let's be clear. If there's one thing that is certain about COVID-19, it is the uncertainty. <laughs> there are lots of people and companies out there spending a lot of time focusing on that very question that you asked me. And I try and take the opportunity to leverage their insight and experience to supplement mine. As an example, I'm reading a book right now called The Great Reboot. And that book actually focuses basically on that question. It focuses on that whole thing. What is, what is a post-COVID-19 sort of business world look like? And something that I thought was really interesting is that they called out an acronym, and the, and the acronym was STEEPLED, S-T-E-E-P-L-E-D. And what that is, is it's looking at the post-COVID world across eight areas, social, technological, economic, environmental, political, legal, ethical, and demographic. The other thing that's kind of interesting about that, though, is that, in a sense, there's something called the six capitals. And that's part of sort of an integrated reporting framework, which also covers some of those same things. But I think ultimately, how has it affected this concept of sustainability? I think it's very much related to what I said about what we do at Isometrics and I think how we help customers at Isometrics. You cannot just look at things from a singular siloed lens. You have to look at the interconnectedness of all of this. I also think, I guess was one of the thought is that, you know, my take on the question as you put it, is that the entire concept of sustainability is going to shift. I don't know if you ever watched uh, when Jay Leno was on, he'd go out, I think it was called like Street Smarts or something, right? And he'd go out and he'd ask people some very basic questions and get some really interesting answers. But if you put your, your Jay Leno hat on and you walked out and you asked somebody on the streets what sustainability meant, you'd probably get for the most part, something like an environmental concept. Oh, it means like recycle, reduce, reuse, recycle, as an example. But I think what COVID is going to do is make that word sustainability a more holistic and almost like a circular concept. You know, you ask the question, how can we make our businesses more sustainable? How will we survive the next thing? By focusing on sustainability. 
And I think that's going to include a lot of the decisions about the interconnectedness of, of all the various aspects of your business. Could I add then an ESG framework to that question? You talked about sustainability. Why then, and I now understand why you think sustainability is so important and indeed important beyond COVID, does ESG also fall into that category? I think it does because actually if you boil down ESG and sustainability, I mean, they are very much interconnected and and interrelated. I think where they start to differ a little bit is that this concept of ESG has much more of a financial focus on it. In other words, it's really mostly being spearheaded by investors, private equity investors, sort of a follow the money concept. And those ESG standards and ESG reporting frameworks are really, in a sense, a form of due diligence about good business to make the connection between isometrics again. And again, ESG and sustainability, if it's environmental and social and governance, well, of course, there's also the concept of environmental sustainability and social sustainability. So I actually think there's, again, a little bit of a crossover and a little bit of relationship there. But bottom line for me, as I mentioned before, for business, it's really much more important because of the nature of the world that we live in, being so interconnected and open in terms of social media. In other words, their business is at risk if they do not have a focus on ESG and sustainability. You know, I think that in the past, things like fines and impact to your business potentially might have been coming from regulators in our world that might be like an OSHA or an EPA. And that type of stuff was handed down. The accountability and the consequences were handed down by regulatory bodies. But they don't hold nearly the power as the people, the power of the people, so to speak. And and so I really think that it's people and community that are going to have the ones that are going to have more influence around Again, this ESG approach and the sustainability approach. I think I mentioned this before as well. Ultimately, that does come down to people. And I think if you break down really what ESG and sustainability is about, it is about people, people making or breaking your business, people choosing what's important and what isn't, people choosing what to buy, people choosing who to invest in. And I think people, like I said, now have the the power to hold others accountable. And and that's much more important and influential from a business perspective than I think any form of regulation. John, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted any more information on yourself or isometrics, where could they go? Yeah, well, first off, again, thank you so much, Tom, for having me. I really appreciate it. and And I hope that you and your listeners gain some insights. I appreciate the opportunity to share what I what I can with you all. But yeah, if you want to know more about us, go to the internet, go to our website, www.isometrics.com. Don't confuse that with doing isometric exercises. That's I-S-O-M-E-T-R-I-X.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, uh, our handle is at isometricsgrc, and or you can follow us on LinkedIn. Just type in isometrics software and follow us there. John, uh, this has been a fascinating exploration of a lot of concepts that I hear and talk about. So I'm going to very much look forward to continuing the conversation. 
Likewise, Tom, again, thanks so much and, and really appreciate you having me. If you want to stay up to date on the latest innovations in compliance and help your business run more efficiently, subscribe to this podcast and help spread the word by leaving a review.